It's the story of two lovely pochas who were brought up in a very complex world. One has skin just like Coco, brown and pretty. The other one's got curls. Till the one day that these pochas got together, they started talking about their pocha strife. They decided that they would start a podcast so we could hear about the Pocha life, the Pocha life, the Pocha life, so we could hear all about the Pocha life. Welcome to the Pocha podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And this is October 2020, <gasps> Episodio 19. Dang, 19, my favorite number. Can you believe we've lasted this long through the year? Holy <laughs> shit. I know, that's pretty impressive. It's uh, It's been a year where I wouldn't have been surprised if we would have just said, you know what, no, can't keep going on like this. Well, after a couple of things that have happened even in the recent past, not just the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but also Eddie Van Halen, mm-hmm. like this year is just continuing to be just a dumpster fire they ran but. out of names for tornadoes <laughs> or hurricanes hurricanes they ran out of names and had to go through the greek alphabet now oh my god which i have i think that should be a whole other conversation because like i got a lot of names for them if they're taking suggestions <laughs> <laughs> that's for our weedy weedy maybe yeah. what, what would you name a hurricane <laughs> but okay so of all of 2020 though mm-hmm. this month is the best month why it's birthday month. It's birthday month for you. For me. For you. I, but also, it's like birthday month for all of the creepy, crawly, scary, mm-hmm. Halloween-y things. Yes, and fall, and yay. Pumpkin spice lattes, mm-hmm. all of the things. Do you celebrate your birthday the entire month? Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Does it bother you that you have to share your birthday with Halloween? No, Or I does love that it. enhance? And and usually, I even go one day over, because then it's Dia de Muertos, and I claim, <laughs> I claim that day, too. <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> so this is episodio 19. In this episodio, um, yes, it's birthday month. So that means we're going to have an oddball celebration of sorts. Yes. Um, we're going to look at some sabidurias or advice that we would have given our younger selves. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be talking voting because, of course, what's happening next month, we're all voting. Well, and this month. Not all of us are voting. And whenever. But yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... It, you can't not go through 2020 and not talk about the election mm-hmm. in some sort of fashion. But we're going to take a different spin on it. Um, and our, for our guy de nuevo, I know this one is, this makes you so happy. Oh, it brings me so much joy. Dogface. Dogface. If you don't know who Dogface is, you might know the Cholo skateboarder with the cranberry juice. With Fleetwood Mac going in the background. The best. Right? That has been one of the bright spots of this of this year, seriously, watching that TikTok small video. So we will, that'll be our guy de nuevo to end us on um, a chill album, chill skater vibe for the episodio. I love it. So first though, why did you want to do, like you were the one who brought this up, like, hey, what advice would you give your younger self in a birthday month-ish, celebratory-ish kind of way? Um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and then a friend of mine pointed out a post that a friend of hers that I don't know 
wrote the other day, and she was talking about when she was uh, in her, I, I don't remember the age, but it was like 17, young, and talking about she wished she could go back and talk to that person. Mm. And I've had those thoughts lately, and I've, I've really done some digging around that. And so, I don't know, just seemed like something I wanted to ask you about, and then we said we would do it on the podcast. So here we are. So when you originally thought of this, we when we talked about this, we didn't say that that we would do a specific age. Mm-hmm. We kind of kept it general to say like advice to give to yourself when you were younger, and if it correlates with an age that you would have given it, mm-hmm. the why around that. But um, I don't know about you, Charlene, but there's probably a ton of shit that I would tell myself (laughs) (laughs) because I could have saved myself Mm. heartache, pendejeria, wasting time, just a bunch of things. So whittling it down to three actually was kind of difficult. It really was. Was it difficult for you? To narrow down, yes. But when I started thinking about I mean, we change and grow as humans. So I tried to chunk it out into chapters. What what was a giant chapter, and what would have um, what would I want that version of me to know? Um, the first one for me was just to enjoy not being afraid. Um, so I think my very young self, like probably before twelve, at mm-hmm. any point. I used to love to be afraid. I liked scary movies and I liked doing like riding a bike until I crashed and mm. um, <laughs> not you. <laughs> and you know, just roller skating and talking to strangers and just hiding from my mom in a grocery store cuz I thought it was hilarious and didn't worry about getting kidnapped, like those kind of things. Wow. Um Oh yeah, do you remember that store the popular no, what? Uh, yeah, there was this store called The Popular. It's where Zafiro oh, is. Oh, I'm sorry. Right I, I thought I heard you say, do you remember the story about The Popular? Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. So, store. yes, I remember the store that's pop- so the popular. So, I remember one time I was hiding from my mom in a like a coat rack, and oh my gosh, she like lost her mind and was super upset because uh, she couldn't find me and got really scared. And um, there was another time where um, my grandparents had taken me to the whole enchilada fiesta. And they were partiers. My grandparents were the best. They would party. They would hang out. They really enjoyed their social life. And all of a sudden, my grandma says that there's there's some band on the stage. And all of a sudden, they're like, does someone know this little girl? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hey. And I mean, anyone who knows me now, that would surprise them because that was a totally different version of me. Um, But I... I didn't know enough to understand that that would go away. That so, not being afraid. So if this is something pre-12, so then that changed for you to after 12, like after 12, 13? I'm thinking after that age, there were probably things that happened. Like I got hurt or um, people are mean to you. So you start worrying about what you look like or what other people think about you. and um, And then after, you know, I... I've talked a little bit about I was um, sexually assaulted when I was 20 and it was very, very violent and very dramatic and completely altered the course of my life. And I live, I fear a lot of things now. Um, My anxiety is huge factor in what I do or don't do. And um, so thinking about being able to live 
that way and really appreciate it. I tried to let my daughter do that without my anxiety spilling onto her, um, mm. which is really hard. Right. Luckily, my husband can temper that a lot. But um, and just for sake of not being completely narcissistic, that's one of the reasons I started celebrating birthday month is because it took me a long time to process the weight of my attack and understand why I was here. And so after that, I was like, I'm gonna celebrate every birthday. Hell yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm here for a reason and I'm, I'm very grateful and fortunate and I'm gonna do something with that time. So it feels like a reason to celebrate that I made it another year. And so my, my husband, I think at first was like, this dramatic bitch. And now <laughs> he's like, uh, this, you know, he, October 1st, he got up early and went and got me a pumpkin spice latte. And Aww. it's like, it's birthday month. I mean, he's not like excited about it, but he's like. He ec- indulges no, you. He totally indulges me. Sweet. Yeah. It's good. So that would be my first one. What about you? <laughs> In no particular order. Okay. Maybe a little particular order. What I found when I was thinking through all except for one are post 30. So these are things that mm. I would say post 30. But I didn't I didn't look at an age and say, what would I say then? It was more mm-hmm. What are some three biggest things that I would say? And they ended up being categorical. (laughs) So there's the serious, the practical, and then the not serious, moderately. For me, it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, that's how I live my life, with, with a lot of humor, right? So my serious one is record your conversations. In particular, in my 30s, there was a lot of opportunities that I had with, um, grandparents or parents and if you're just joining us for the first time and this is your first episodio um my father has passed away and it's now in 2013 and then my dad passed away in 2017 and so there are I don't have any recordings of either one of them mm-hmm. and there are a lot of things that they coulda woulda shoulda said yeah. and um and I did have some recordings of my grandmother before she passed, and she's probably been the biggest loss in my life and has left the biggest gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily I do have some of her, but I don't have anything of my father or my dad. And looking back on it, there are a ton of questions that I have for my father in particular mm-hmm. about like, what would he think about this podcast? What would he think about me being so open up talking about this mm-hmm. sometimes heartbreak that assimilation is for me sure. and just life that assimilation is for me? So that's the first thing I would say to myself is like record conversations. And I'm, I'm kind of an audiophile. Like I have recorded some conversations with some of my tias that are fucking hilarious as shit and I can't wait to write the books on some of these Mm. things that they have done because they are they are like capturing the spirit of these entities that have shaped part of my life Mm -hmm. um but I wish I would have recorded a lot more I really do all right what's your second um my second was a hard one I I kept thinking about times in my life that were um I wasn't a really shitty controlling terrible marriage for a really long time and 
thinking about the times that I spent in that relationship and miserable and hating my life and it would be really easy to talk about him and how he behaved and why and go Mm -hmm. into all of that but at the end of the day it happened because I didn't know I was enough Mm. so just to tell myself you are enough whether that means you don't have to put up with this or whether that means stand your ground or whether that means pack your shit and drive away, whatever that would have meant in that moment to not constantly be trying to live up to this bullshit expectation that was never going to be met. Um, And I did the same thing with my family, trying to just be all of the things they needed me to be instead of just having this understanding that without a product, without a degree, without a particular being a particular weight or whatever, that I was just enough, that I was just okay. Um, I think of, and not just to tell my younger self that, but like to somehow impart that knowledge in my brain would have been, I think, life-changing. Is there a particular moment that you can pinpoint that you would have, you can go back and say like, that is when I would have said it to you? Oh, there's probably 30,000 times that I was like, this is the most bullshittiest bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, surely, surely all relationships are not like this. Um, Or just times where I just had beaten myself up so badly about not being perfect. Whatever perfect was in that moment, whatever Uh that meant. Um... I mean, there were there was a time when I was uh, living in Austin where I took, I've, I've told you this, but I was taking a test to become a bilingual special education teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a special education teacher, but I wanted my bilingual endorsement, and I didn't pass the first test. And oh my God, it was devastating. I was so upset with myself and just so heartbroken um, that I went off the deep end a little bit studying and learning it up and in fairness they can ask you any oral question that they wanted and at the time they asked me about if I was meeting with a senator what policies would I talk to them about that had to do with education in my current job I would have been probably a lot better off answering that fascinating that that's come full circle but as a teacher back then I was like uh, el gobernador. I don't know. La <laughs> ley. I have no clue how to fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. The second time I took the test, after seriously, people that I knew that spoke Spanish, I made them only speak Spanish to me. I only listened to Spanish radio. I was reading Spanish magazines. I was watching novelas, all of it, because I was so upset with myself. And um, the second time I had an oral, the question was like, what do you do at a kid's birthday party? Well, shit, if that would have been the damn prompt the first time, probably wouldn't be here. But in, in retrospect, it, it really was a lesson. And it, um, like in that moment, it's not, you know, it's cool, bro. It's not the end of the planet. You're enough. It's okay. Do what you got to do. Study and move on. But it was heart-wrenching in that time. So tangentially related, I had taken a in my in in work related i had taken a white supremacy in in 
your organization kind of workshop. And one of the things that they talked about that you see in brown and black led organizations that pulls from this white supremacy that we have um, gotten used to, you know, all of the things. One of the things they said was like the expectation of perfectionism yep. every single time. And yep. when they said that, I was like, my mind just blew. I was like, fuck, I have been falling into that trap. Yep. Day one, everything's got to be done right the mm-hmm. first time, mm-hmm. every time. And if you don't, I don't know about you, but my mind sometimes nitpicks at the one thing that I didn't, oh, had, 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 and it chews on it like it's Which, gristle. that's why I think this failing this test was such a big deal, because I do that even when there's nothing to do it over. I'm right. like, oh my God, I had one pelo chueco, and everybody saw it, and oh my God. <laughs> exactly. And then it was like, no, bitch, you failed a fucking test, and now it is on your permanent record. I was like, oh, my, I'm a failure, like, in on paper, in, like, the world, in my record, I'm a failure. It was a, it was a lot to swallow. Mm. So yeah, just, you're enough. You're enough because you are here. You're just enough. Truth. Truth. Yeah. I hope this is helping someone out there. It's helping me. Ooh, it's like counseling. Welcome. That'll be 490. (laughs) (laughs) Do you take True Health New Mexico? (laughs) Um, Let me give you my card. Um, So, but the second one for me is on the practical side. And in practical in a practical advice that I would give to myself starting seven years ago, because this is when I started having kids full time in my life, um, my advice was relax more with the kids. Mm. Just like chill, just take a chill pill. And I always have this like, not that they have to be like me. And I think the reason that I thought of this was because like I want, I don't want them to to fall into the pitfalls that I have. Mm -hmm. Be productive, don't be like, don't let opportunities pass you by, which mm-hmm. is something that I have had happen because those opportunities can lead you to amazing places. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a success monetarily, but it can lead you to amazing other experiences in your life. True. And so in that want to have them have opportunities and learn things and experience things, I think sometimes I don't step back and just let them be. Mm-hmm. And so that's my practical, if I could go back and just be like, just chill. And I don't know if it's too late now, because you know they're older, mm-hmm. but certainly seven years ago, I would have had a different experience with all four if I would have just, just chilled for a second. That's really good. And I'm, I feel that so hard with my, like I just said, my anxiety around her being in the world I have to let that shit go sometimes I know what what I'm trying to put on her that's mine and what is just regular parenting 101 kind of stuff I feel that that's real yeah I I have so there's so many things especially with the girls because they're girls Mm -hmm. right so for me I'm it's like you're gonna have to work a thousand times harder to be mm-hmm. a hun- paid 100% less or to have 100% less experiences. And um, you can't, not that you can't fail, but when you fail, mm-hmm. it's looked at differently. And so you ha- like prepare yourself for these things. And also like, like you, I have a history of assault. And so it's also that layer mm-hmm. of like, and how do you protect yourself? Yeah. 
especially since there are some some experiences in my life that I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? Sure. Even after oh. the assault, you were like doing pendejería. Sure. And I don't want them to do that. And acknowledging that that is life and they will. And they'll yep. be in those moments where they should have done different. And that's the worst part of being a parent. Yeah. Is, is knowing that sometimes you just have to take take the aftermath and do the best you can because you cannot keep them from every experience good and bad you can't and you can't push them into every good experience right like yeah all of it it's yeah, yeah, yeah. they're their own little people um or big people in your case i don't know your daughters are taller <laughs> than me it's terrifying no they're all shorter than me so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> well shit i'm shorter than you too hmm. not today not today what's your third my third is to love my physical self mm. in the moment because I think back to um, being at 14, 15, I had cellulite and stretch marks on my legs. And I've always been a fairly thin person. It was just genetically, that's what my body looked like. Right. And I would obsess about particularly the stretch marks on my thighs and be like, oh, nobody else has this. I look hideous, whatever. I'm like, I weighed like 102 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're never going to look like that again in your life. But I didn't even appreciate it because, like, this is the biggest your boobs are ever going to be. This is the skinniest you're ever going to (laughs) be. This is the most muscle tone you're ever going to have at 15, 16. And I didn't even appreciate it because I was like, oh, my God, I have a pimple. Like, what? And then thinking back on that moment I wonder how I'm doing that to myself right now like oh starting to get wrinkles starting to get flabbier starting mm-hmm. to get this and that and in 10 years from now I'm gonna be like damn I was hot how come I did not <laughs> appreciate that shit when it was happening it's like yes. this dirty cycle that and it kind of goes back to the you are enough piece but on a very vain physical level of just appreciate what it is right now right yeah I hear you and you know the funny thing is like I know I know that this is all self you yourself are having to deal with you your vision of who you are but from the outside like you're beautiful I can't even imagine you saying that to yourself now oh I'm horrible to myself you know working on it when the executive producer sometimes says things about herself, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You're hot as shit, man. Like, damn, I am so incredibly lucky. Like, and what one thing that has really changed how I communicate that externally is having a daughter Mm. because I don't want her to think that that is the way of the world. The the world already tells her, Mm -hmm. hate yourself now. Mm -hmm. You're too, insert blanks, thousands of pages of blanks, um, or not enough, whatever. And I don't want to be that voice that she's like, oh yeah, even my mom thinks that. Because as as well-intentioned as my own mother was, she was very hard on us looking perfect all the time. So it certainly put different thoughts in my head and she was on a diet all the time and she, um, you know, like counting calories, like those kind of things were in our house and talked about a lot. And I try really hard to not do that. 
I will encourage and I do, I'll try to work out or I'll try to get her to work out because I think that's a healthy thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, even, but there's a difference. Yes, there's a huge difference in the presentation of why. And even if I'm eating, you know, or we have a son who's 16 and he'll say like, we'll be eating burgers for dinner and I'll put, I'll eat salad with the hamburger patty or whatever. He's like, are you on a diet? Be like, um, no, I'm about to drink like three beers. So balance, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because I want him to not think that I'm obsessing about my own weight in my head, which in all fairness, I'm not. I, I really do try to do the balance thing. As I get older, it feels more important, but like I'll only have Prosecco or Bloody Marys before noon and (laughs) (laughs) other alcohols. It just feels wrong. Balance. All in balance. Yeah. What is your, what's your third? Okay. So the third thing, you know, I did this in categories. Well, it, as it turns out, they were categorical, not like I purposefully went out, but the third thing is not either serious or practical. The third thing was, (laughs) and this one is really aimed at a younger me, like a really, really much younger me. When I was pre 14, I thought I wanted to be a comedian and I'm (laughs) just going to go. You still think you want to be a comedian? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, no, no. My non-practical advice is you're not going to be a comedian. Just that's not, that's not like that's not in it for you. You have other talents. You have other things. You have other, just, you have a Let whole other life. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be a comedian. Like, like who was your comedian hero or some of them? I mean, so Roseanne, because of her sarcasm, mm-hmm. even though now she has turned out to, to show her f- the fullness <laughs> of her, of her personality and it's not all that great, but um, I did like Roseanne. Okay. I did like Ellen back in the day. Also, um, I'm seeing a trend. This uh, is no. getting scary. <laughs> Ellen, Robin also Williams. Awful. Oh, okay. um, and I especially like that he did, uh, like he could do other voices. Mm. He can, you know, all of those. He had, he was so talented. So talented. Um, so yeah, that, you know, I, back in the day I was like, oh, I'm a comedian like that which is really, really different from when I first, my mom asked me one day, like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to work at NASA. I don't care if I'm a janitor. I want to work at NASA. I don't know how I went from NASA to comedian, (laughs) but there, (laughs) there was a jump there. Yeah. So the non-practical is like, nah, (laughs) you're not going to be a comedian. It's good. You have other things. Don't spend your life trying to do anything like that. Also, journalism doesn't pay much. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take your dad jokes a lot more seriously now. Like, oh. you know, give him a little heartier laugh every once Clap in a while. Clap a little more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try. So let me ask you this about the advice to, um, advice to your younger self. Do you think if there was a way that you could give advice to your younger self, your younger self would have even listened? Hell no. Hell no. I'd be like, mm-hmm, you're cute. Same. Like, Bye. Who are, who are you and why are you trying to... Ugh, it's such a waste of time. You don't even know me. Right? <sighs> you sound like my mom. Exactly. Oh. I, Which is why in the second one, the you are enough thing, I even said, not even to just tell myself, but to impart the knowledge in my brain in some way that it got in there. Because just saying... Because people were saying that to me. People were saying are you sure you're okay? Is everything, you know, come, come hang out with your family. Where are your friends? My family was doing that. And I was, you don't know my life. Like, uh, yeah, they do actually. So 
I don't know. I wouldn't have listened. Well, you know, same. I don't think I would have listened to I any I would have needed, like, the, the fucking Scrooged ghosts coming and taking my ass to all the, like, this is you. Yeah, I, I needed that. That's what I, that level. Yeah, I didn't need the, like, cute little person at a coffee shop, like, passing me a note. No, I need the full-on kidnapping ghost tour of my previous or pe- future lives. That's what I needed. Oh, my God, that's funny. Well, you are listening to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And we are celebrating birthday month, but we are also celebrating, in a way, voting because we're going to have a huge election next month. And it's not just it's not just about one about one president, about one position. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I mean, I I always say like local impacts you more than sure. at the the top level but something this, i've learned this is something that um we had been talking about for a while charlene to, to 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 put on our agenda for an episodio but when it came down to it i mean really if you listen to the show obviously you know that we are not going to vote for a republican president again mm-hmm. I'd much rather vote for the damn fly that was on Pence's head. I don't know. I won't say again. Well, I mean, I don't for know this, about I mean, again. For, I meant you won't vote for a particular president again to this have time? a second, to have a second uh, set of four years. Mm. No. Over my cold dead body. No. Exactly. And but, then they'll get me for voter fraud, and then it'll just be. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we wanted to 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 at least address it. You can't go through October into November without acknowledging that we are going to have a huge election coming up. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, there is something about the president, the presidential candidates, and it's been this way for months. I mean, when there were like 492 Democratic candidates, it's everywhere, and it has been for several months. So yeah, we got to talk about it. Right, absolutely. But when we when we were discussing what we wanted to look at in this, it was more of a like, but why is voting even important to you? Or is it? Even or is important. It? Sure. Right. So is it for you? It is now. And I will say that was not always the case. I certainly was a person who didn't pay attention to politics or ongoings. I was dealing with my own shit and just didn't feel like that was important. Um, and then I got a little bit older, started working in some state systems like public education and was like, why is this fucked up? And then when you start doing some digging, you're like, oh, there's a policy. Well, who made that policy? Oh, these people. I voted for this. Somebody voted for this dumbass who wrote this shit. Are you kidding me right now? So then I start figuring it out. And and of course, you know, as a woman, it has not always been my right to vote. I mean, in my lifetime, yes. But people had to fight for this for me as a person of color it has not always been allowed for me to vote so also gigantic um so now it does feel very important i i got a letter from i guess it was the county the other day that was like um hey you've been uh you've been missing some elections so we want to make sure that you know what's going on uh these are the latest elections that you've missed and it was like 2012 i'm all you're gonna try to shame me about 2012 (laughs) right now like that is not helpful not helpful 
Um, I feel like you have carried this sort of political mindset for a lot longer than I have. Yes. So, com- I, I don't. I don't know what voting or election timeframes when you were growing up. I don't know how that went down in your households. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, in my household, it was a big deal. Like, mm. like we watched the news every night. We watched the McNeil Lara News Hour oh, on PBS. Really? Like this shit was serious. That's what's wrong with my me. father. Got the the paper every day, like mm-hmm. the Daily El Paso Times, um, and I remember him going to vote. Like I remember him pulling out the paper and like going down the list of things. And and I was actually thinking about this um, today, and I was thinking, is my memory correct in that my father influenced how my mom voted? Is oh, that a wow. is that a correct memory for me because I feel like that's something that I remembered but I I really can't like I, I just I don't want to put I don't want to say that my mom just listened to what my father had to say but I feel like that that was important enough for me to be mm-hmm. like no you have to vote your own way hmm. regardless of who your partner spouse is um, but in the context of being politically aware being mm-hmm. aware with what's going on in the news all of that was of great importance growing up. So it was it was something that I've always known. Mm-hmm. It's always been with me. And that I'll always want to. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I have missed in a presidential election. I don't know that I've missed even local elections. Maybe one or two um, that may have fallen off the radar. But for me, it really, really is super important. Mm-hmm. Um and I was thinking about the, the levels of importance that it takes for me. So you were mentioning in terms of your identity as a woman, as a brown woman. So my mom is an immigrant and mm-hmm. she became a citizen when I was younger. So, you know, she wasn't able to vote until I was, you know, knee high to a tadpole. But also as a queer person, yeah, like voting takes on, for me, as a queer person, it took on a different meaning. Mm. I feel like accountability and making sure that they know you're there is important. Yeah, I, and I feel like for for most folks, and, and you've taught me so much over the last 10 years, but uh. I mean, for most folks, they think about, oh, queer and voting. Oh, you just want the right to get married. Like, it goes so far deeper than that it goes to you being able to have insurance for yourself and your partner Mm -hmm. and your children who may not be yours biologically and it goes to you being able to be on documentation for a mortgage or a bank account or it it goes so much deeper than what a lot of people think about if it's not their experience if it's not in their house Right. And, and the flip side to that is that, um, when you see the hypocrisy of some people who are closeted and they're public officials and they're making these laws that impact you, Mm. then you're, for me, it was like all the more reason to be loud and to be not just vocal in a vote, but vocal for me 
out there like, no, you can't do this. You, you know what it is when you make, when you vote on this kind of thing, mm-hmm. like jump up and down and make sure that they see you. And I used to have a kind of crappy attitude about it that, um, if you don't vote, you don't get the right to bitch. And that's mm-hmm. looking at it now, like looking at it back then, how I felt back then. It was like, well, that's a shitty attitude to have <laughs> because everybody should be able to, to have an opinion whether or not you vote. And, be- and also because there are some people who cannot vote, even if they mm-hmm. wanted to vote. Sure. I, I think about formerly incarcerated folks who mm-hmm. do not mm-hmm. have the ability to vote and how screwed up that is. Um, I know growing up there was this, and, and not in my own household, I guess I don't know where this is coming from, but this general, well, they screwed up. They didn't appreciate their rights. They didn't appreciate the law. And now they don't have the ability to vote. And that's just how it is. And it was like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense in a weird way. And yeah, sure. And now I have grown and learned and paid attention and researched. And it's very convenient that mostly Mm -hmm. people of color, black, brown, indigenous males who are incarcerated for some bullshit that white people would not be incarcerated for now don't have the ability to get your ass out of office who made those policies stricter who elected those judges who handed down those sentences who are making the whole carousel work so it's very convenient to mm-hmm. take the voting rights away from people who who better to understand that system who right. better to have an opinion on how it should run in order to get whatever kind of quote-unquote justice we are looking for at the end of the day, that is, yeah, I have a very different opinion at this point in my life. Call it growth. (laughs) It's growth. Because, I mean, same. I've had to do a lot of growing um, about voting. I mean, just even in just one subject, I've had to do a lot of growing. And part of that growth is to be like, there's a cousin of mine who cannot be convinced to vote Hmm. and um i don't want to convince him to vote how old 22 oh wow so to be fair my cousins in age range are from like 60 to about 22 is like the young he's about the youngest okay um and it's taken me no not mario it's it's anthony yeah, he is by a little bit, not by much. Anyway, so it's it's taken me a lot of growth to see like even that in and of itself is its own statement because mm-hmm. you can get awitado seeing the foolishness that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the presidential debate alone oh, gives you the foolishness that happens because of ideology or because of because of a party. And at the end of the day, I don't know anyone in my personal life who has had the upbringing, the means, the background to ever be considered a president based on our history. No one has been raised in money. No one has been at these Ivy League schools. No one's had the connections and because that's what it's about. And that's what feels disenfranchising. You're not me. You don't know me. You don't live my life. You don't know what the fuck my life is about. Mm -hmm. Why am I going to go and like put a high five down for you when you don't know my name? You don't know my life. I get that. My dad um, served in Vietnam and when he and he doesn't talk a lot about it. Honestly, he 
there's probably two stories my dad has ever told about Vietnam. And um, he said for a lo- he didn't vote for a long time, a long time. The first time he has said that he went back out to vote is when Obama was running for president. Mm. And the reason was because it it even looked different. This could be different this time. Like that guy might get me because of the color of his skin. He might understand a little bit more about my life than anyone previous has ever. So I find it so interesting that a person who went and served our country and still deals with the residual effects of that like, again, that's a statement. He didn't vote for a damn reason. Not because he didn't know how, not because he didn't know where to go, not because he didn't have access, because he was like, fuck that. They don't know me, and I don't owe them shit. And it finally felt like, wow, okay, this could be different. And now he's like, oh, hell no. Let me, mm-mm. Where, <laughs> where do I sign up, get my absentee ballot, because he's not leaving the house, but he is damn sure going to make sure that his voice is heard. And sometimes that's what it takes is just one. And the beauty is that he doesn't have to, or anyone doesn't have to vote like me, like like every single election. It's A-okay to just, you know what, this one is important. Or now I'm going to sit this one out because it isn't important. And here's And here's kind of the thing is like, you know that our public officials do this. Sometimes they take a walk and they don't vote on it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of let that shit slide. So I've had a lot of I don't think people know enough about it. People don't pay close enough. This Very few people are involved in the political scene as deeply as you are. I mean, I, I trail behind you, even though I probably should know as much or more than you do sometimes in these cases. I don't. But when I first learned about that shit, like, they don't want to be accountable to the people mm-hmm. that elected them. And so they're like, oh. I'm just going to go play Mario Kart in the bathroom for 30 minutes while people vote on this super important shit yep. that matters to the people in my district. What? Like, who does that? Lots of them. Lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Truth. I, I The shit I've learned, it's like a whole, it's its whole own novella. No wonder there's all these damn shows about all this Oval Office, House Gandor, of cards. House of Cards, all this shit. Because uh-huh. it's a novella. Yeah, no, no shit. It is a novella. That's that's some super drama. That's more drama than the Kardashians. Oh, Damn. Super drama. Well, you know, if it's not important to you, but you just heard us go through why it, it feels important to us, like I hope you at least were entertained, <laughs> if nothing else. And if nothing else, I, I hope that the fly on Pence's head wasn't entertaining enough. Super entertaining. I cannot believe that that broke the twitters. Like. That's all they could talk about for that for the vice presidential debate was that damn fly. Because the rest of it is so painful and so real. Oh, come on. And it's way easier to talk about the fly. You know what I think was more important th- and more entertaining than the fly? What? The looks that Kamala, <gasps> oh. Senator Kamala Harris was mm. giving. She was like giving a whole like, this is how you give looks on bullshit uh, 101. She was like the teacher, the mom, the mm-hmm. all the things. All the things. She, he's mm-hmm. lucky that there was plexiglass there. She would reach over and pop him in the face. With the fly swatter. Mm-hmm. With the fly <laughs> <laughs> I was just helping you. What? You had a bug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of Brown Pride and Assimilation. I'm Kat. 
I'm Charlene, and this is episodio 19. The lovely 19. My favorite number. And the best part um, of every episodio is the que hay de nuevo. It is. And this this month, what is the que hay de nuevo? <gasps> Dog face, the skateboarding cholo, drinking cranberry juice, listening to some Fleetwood Mac. Yes. And yes. It is so... Uh, so, homeboy's name is... Nathan Apodaca, he's 37, lives in Idaho, and works at a potato warehouse. Damn. Because, because it's Idaho. And I of just course. had yeah. this okay. picture in my head that that's what everybody in Idaho <laughs> Probably not true, but never been there. <laughs> no if, one's listening from... Idaho is one of the states that hasn't picked huh. up and listened, so... Well, maybe we'll find out more if they ever... If they pl- ever please defend yourself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, homeboy is on his way to work, says that his truck breaks down like it does all the time so he has to take his longboard to get to work on time and he just felt a vibe like this was what was happening in the moment he puts on some dreams by Fleetwood Mac he's drinking his cran raspberry and then he posts it and the internet lost its shit and I want to know for why did it or how did it hit you when you saw the video funny because I I have the same question for you like what was it about it but so there was a couple different levels he's my age-ish he's our Mm age-ish I mean he he, this is not a 20 year old on a skateboard sure you know that he's been skateboarding a while even if you don't see or if you haven't read his backstory about the truck breaking down and, and him going to work like you can just see the comfortability he has. Bro, he's drinking on the out a whole gallon right. ass size of cranberry juice and filming himself, and it's totally smooth and chill. Yeah, it it was so it was his age, his look. He's on the skateboard. He's drinking cranberry juice, and he's got. And I think the biggest part for me is probably the Fleetwood Mac. Like he is, and it's not just he has it on. He's he's like mouthing the words <laughs> of it. Like he's got this shit down. <laughs> That this is one of his jams, legit, and he's mouthing the words wherever it is that he was going, and so there was a there was those many different levels of like mm. I can relate, I can relate to that. Yeah, and you, a lot of the same. Um, and he just he looks like gente, like he yeah. looks like one of my primos. He looks like a dude I know at a barbecue. Mm-hmm. He just looks familiar to me, and then I. Seriously, and one day we need to talk about song lyrics, but players only love you when they're playing. Mm -hmm. Some of the best song lyrics ever. Ask all chola, they have it on a shirt (laughs) because that's how good it is. And for whatever reason, well, that album in itself has gotten me through a lot of times in my life. But the fact that it was that song, the fact that he looked super familiar and he was just positive. Like, he was just like, and you didn't even know the backstory. You didn't know his truck had just, he could have been pissed off throwing rocks over the bridge and shit. But he was like, you know what? Fuck it, gotta get to work. At least I got my cranberry juice. I'm gonna keep my kidneys healthy and just <laughs> roll down the street with my jams. It, it was just taking a situation and making it good. And I think that's, I think that was what was appealing for a lot of people is that it was just this positivity. There was, it was just all good. Everything about it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've looked at some of these, not not because he blew up on social media, but I had looked at some of the other things that he posted. 
And he wears the long socks. He wears the khaki shorts that go down just under your knee. I mean, he really does look like we could have picked him up out of El Paso and put him wherever. Mm-hmm. And there's a video that he's 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 got the shorts and the socks and he's got his slides on and he's wearing a tutu and <laughs> and he's just jamming out like like not like like just just that it's fun like it's it's a regular part of his day to just be chill and just be going with music and he's posted other things where he is dancing to music and mm-hmm. can i just say he is a good dancer oh, he has moves oh yeah the christmas one i was like Damn, he can. If he put his mind to it, he could tap dance. This oh, fool can. Yeah, he's good. He's he's got the moves. He's uh, and he's just you know, and and again, more into his backstory, he's. It appears like living without power and water in this camper doesn't mm-hmm. have a whole lot of transportation options so very recently ocean spray shows up and gives him a truck a brand new truck full of cranberry juice in the bed and like makes his freaking day which also adds to the story for me like good shit just happening to people Mm -hmm. for no reason for no reason other than you decided to be a fool on on your phone like i love that yeah like he's not he didn't do it because he wanted something out of it he was doing it just the next thing, though, is that he, he posted a picture of the Cortez that he has that are, like, falling apart. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, Nike, step up. Mm-hmm. He needs some shoes. Yep. And you can tell that that's not just... He didn't just buy Cortez because they fit a certain aesthetic. Like, that's his jam. Mm-hmm. And they are so used that you know that he this is... This is part of who he is mm-hmm. and part of his personality. And I love that he, he posted his shoes. Um, I don't know why that that appealed to me. Yeah. Not just the Cortez, but just how well loved and worn they were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was itself an, just a, one more reason to love him. It just feels like a ball of positive energy right now. And, uh, and a person who has every reason to not be that way. So it's a yeah. little little lesson for me to have some gratitude and um, even when shit seems hard, like what's good? Because there's still something. What's good? So it uh, feels a little inspiring and um, I'm glad he's uh, hopefully going to be on the come up with all this attention. Right. The only other thing that I would say is like he had, and I'm not saying this because I like my tecate. I like my, you know, I imbibe. But he had so many choices mm. on that skateboard, and he had ocean spray. And I, that was one more thing yeah. to me that was like Like he had badass. been rolling with the 40. You wouldn't have thought twice about it, but the fact that it was some cranberry. I don't know. That was just, that was just <laughs> well, like one more reason to love is like cranberry. Yeah. Yeah, I get you, bro, on the cranberry. Oh, my. It reminds me of my grandma. My grandma's always on the cranberry juice. <laughs> On the cranberry juice, <laughs> on the sauce. <laughs> That's the sauce for her. She's keeping her her kidneys clean. Well, I did. Ha- I did have a. I did want to talk just super quick about Fleetwood Mac though, because mm. because he had that song on. Um, <laughs> like a new generation of people are like, "What is this thing? Who's that this I new band? Callate la boca, right?" Mm. Okay, so yeah, supposedly this video has boosted their sales by over three hundred percent. Damn. Yes. 
because either people just had forgotten about it or had never heard it or whatever. I have that particular album on repeat because, again, I have listened to it through tears and crying and screaming and laughter and all the things on repeat multiple times. Yes. That that particular album and and I am I love music. I fucking love music. I love discovering new stuff. I love listening to old stuff that I have on repeat and this is one of those albums that I mm-hmm. like to listen to because it does evoke some pieces of emotions that I remember just like you turning to a song or what have you during heartbreak or even love mm-hmm. and then and then learning the backstory of the of the album itself um was fascinating because that it made it made the album that much richer for me sure and the breakups that were happening at the time and because of those breakups you have these songs that are gems and because of some of the love that was starting anew you have yep. gems of these songs and it's just it is just an album it is just like for me what the the song that stands out first is that one because players only love you when they're playing like i said best lyrics ever but when i first moved to austin um it was a little bit after my assault and i uh, well, like two years after my assault, when I finally felt like I was whole enough to get out. I, I, I literally just ran away from home. I mean, I, I had to get out of here and I left. And um, I would listen to Landslide on full blast, mm. just like, yeah, that's my jam. Um, and I do, I felt like it was like, they were talking to me. They knew exactly what was happening in my life and they were talking to me. So... I get it. it. It becomes woven into your story. Yes. Yeah. It, and for some of those songs, it does feel like they plucked what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. They plucked the exact string and chord that I was feeling, particularly in a breakup, because some of those, there's like four songs in there that are just breakup, like go your own way. Like you, mm. you almost fucking yelling at them. Like you can go your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just some of the pain that Lindsay Buckingham had because of the breakup, you, it's just so palpable. And then just some of the, some of the like nuggets of love though, that are in there as well are just, are incredible. I mean, him on that dog face on that skateboard, having this, having the, um, having dreams on just Mm. brought back. A wave sure. of Fleetwood Mac for me. Me too. And then Mick Fleetwood uh, started an Instagram page just so he could do a copy <laughs> video on a skateboard. With dude, if that's not mad respect, I don't know what is. That's a beautiful thing. So what? What would you want to get out of like this this piece of 2020 with him on a skateboard, like? What's your takeaway of that? Yeah, just just take what's good. You, I mean, we, I, we can talk for six hours about all the bad shit that has happened this year, and still I can get in my cozy bed tonight and know there's food in mm. my refrigerator and that my kids are healthy. And that might not be the case tomorrow, so I got to just really appreciate that when I lay my head on my pillow. Mm. What about you? Yeah, same. There can be a, a dumpster fire, and you, there's some still things that you can just 
enjoy out of it. Yep. Like just chill and enjoy and in that moment. And this doesn't this doesn't mean that you can't grieve for shit that's going wrong. Absolutely not. It just means that in in some situations you can definitely just appreciate being chill. Yeah. Or you're gonna make yourself crazy. Yep. Well, this is birthday month for you. Mm-hmm. I hope that there's a lot of like advice that you're getting from yourself learning every day but also like things that that people are giving you like sabiduria from Mm -hmm. dogface that that life is giving you uh agreed and we can all celebrate birthday month and heaven help us (laughs) (laughs) celebrate with uh charlene by giving us a review on apple or any other place that you get your podcast because you can give reviews on any platform and now you can say alexa play pocha podcast yes we are slowly but surely taking over the world um and how else can they reach out to you to give you a what up on your birthday month and follow us we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and we are on the Twitters. Um, you can also check out our website, and yeah, just let us know how you're doing. Yeah, hit, hit us up, send a line. So you have been listening to the Pocha Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. Happy birthday, Charlene. <gasps> Thanks. And we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>